0: Hello again everyone, welcome in. This is Kevin His song with Rain Over Money. Welcome to episode 21. Today we're going to be talking about the psychology of money. Uh, That is the psychology of both really money and investing. So thanks again for coming in. Uh, Kevin, his song, Rain Over Money. You can visit us at rainovermoney.com or visit us on Instagram or Twitter at the call sign Rain Over Money. So let's jump right into it for the next 20 minutes or so. Today, we are talking about the psychology of money. And of course, we got to talk about what do I mean by that? Well, psychology is the study of the the mind and uh, behavior. So... Uh, it's how our mind behaviors go towards money and towards investing. And I think the, the best thing to say is if you have an idea when you're getting or, or, or as you're starting to to get money or as you're starting to work a career or getting out of school, even even in school, really, um, you know, it can never start too young is, is what is your belief about money and what is it really there for? Uh, I think if you would, uh, you know, take me as, a, as an example going back to the early part of my life uh you know growing up uh and and even in high school and everything um money was a a a device and a thing to buy things it was very material and uh over the years I you know I I think I was lucky in a way because for one reason or another I got turned on to investing and uh, in, in getting a job, I, I enjoyed getting money and, and, and kind of starting to save and keep money. Uh, there was a great, um, uh, there was a great security about it, having money and being able to do things with that money. And now over time, as I've gotten into my late 40s, um, I, I think money is definitely the, the security side of it is one thing, but the other thing is it, the, the flexibility, and, and time really that those two things flexibility and time is what is important about money to me now it's what those things can do, because that those are the most important things now to me uh, outside of my family is. Uh, you know how much uh, flexibility do I have in my life and how much time uh, do I have to do the things I want to do not some what someone else wants me to do, but what I want to do. And I think it, if you would ask most people, I think once you get to a point, uh, material things don't matter as much anymore. Sure, I'd love to have a new shirt every now and then, new pair of shoes, whatever it is, something for golf. Um, you know, th- those things are still matter. And from time to time, they make you feel good. Just go out and buy something. Um, but it, 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 for a lot of people, it becomes less and less over time. I think about my mom in in her eighties now, and what's important to her. And it's it's really spending time with friends, spending time with family, um, you know, d- doing things that she likes to do, and it really has nothing to do with with wants and and material things in life. So it's it's just something that it, it usually goes the same way throughout life. You go through that spectrum of finding the different meanings of money, and. So first I'm going to talk about money and then we're going to talk about the investing side because the two go hand in hand, but you can't worry about investing unless you have a good grasp on uh, the psychology and your your um, mind and your behavior when it comes to money itself. So uh, where do we start with that well again you know getting jobs working earlier in your career and you're never too young to or never too old i should say to start this process you know if you've had trouble with money over your life and and now you're getting to a point where hey i've got some things figured out maybe uh, i've got a better job now i've got some debts paid off whatever it may be and i'm really ready to start having money work for me in many different ways and money working for you can be yeah you know uh, buying stocks and having dividends pay for you, uh, buying rental houses that pay you rent uh, to create more income, whatever it may be, or really just putting your money in the bank and having it gain some interest or CDs. So money working for you is something great. Um, but but money can work for you in a lot of ways. And, and that's really just one of them uh, that, that we think about. So the, the psychology of money, and, and it's very tough right now in our society because you know it's it's always been tough i mean everyone's always wanted to buy things and have more money and you figure the more money you have the happiness and there's been studies done on that that say you know i think eighty thousand to to hundred thousand dollars total income is like the maximum um, happiness factor for people those that make over that and those that make under that uh, are not as happy and those that make over that it's, it's diminishing returns over over time. So it's not making a million dollars a year isn't gonna make you that much happier. Uh, People still have issues in life. There's still things that go on in life that money cannot solve. But the main thing I think that most people find out and why that may be 80,000 to 100,000 is an important number is because once you start making that kind of money, maybe you can get your debts paid off, uh, have a little money in the bank, have a retirement account, uh, do things for your kids, maybe help them with college, whatever it may be. So you know, it it adds that security layer. And again, that's what it comes back to security and then translating to uh, if and when you're able to retire is the time that it can afford you to do the things you wanna do. A lot of people think of travel. Sure, a lot of people retire and, and they really compact those that travel into the first few years uh, because that's, that's important to them and they wanna get out and see the world or whatever it may be. But on and on over the years of retirement, uh, again, studies have been found that most people's enjoyment levels for travel decline over the years. And their most most enjoyment is hanging out, spending time with family and so on and, and, and friends. So, again, not that important for the material things. It's more the mindset of having the time to do what you want to do. And that's what, I, you know, I guess what, what we're trying to create here with Rain Over Money is develop some good habits and good ways and kind of give you a pathway to uh, to allow money to be that thing that can help you and not hinder you in your life so that it can free you up to do the things you wanna do. So the mindset with money, as I said, can be a little tough, uh, it's always been tough, but right now, especially, if you get too tied into social media, and I'll, I'll even take the social out of that, I, I think the media as a whole can really scare you about money. And I think, it, it, you see it a lot with, um, I think back to when I was on the, uh, you know, the the investment side of things and, and, and working with individuals as an investment advisor. And um, you know, the, the older you get, you tend to get more and more conservative with your money. And it doesn't help when there's a level of fear that's out there about, always about the markets, about the economy, about inflation. I mean, you would think that that the world's just the, the world if if we were to listen to everyone all over time, the, the world would have ended economically, we would have had a crisis about every two years and we would all have gone through the Great Depression about 42 times. Uh, by my calculations and that's just, just in the last 20 years uh, so there's so much negativity out there, and you know, unfortunately, a lot of the people that from a media standpoint and social media standpoint that people go to for their financial advice, I think of kind of the Mount Rushmore of, of, of finance. Uh, Dave Ramsey, Susie Orman, um, who else? Uh, well, I mean, I, so many people go to, go to CNBC for their news mm-hmm. on the markets and on money and so on and so forth. Um, but why, why I've kind of, soured a bit on dave ramsey and suzy orman is they went from I, I feel like a really hopeful and and you know helpful part of it to really selling on fear and really being negative to people that come to them with questions and i don't know maybe it's the it's the way you get likes and it's the way you get hits now and everything else but there's just almost a nastiness um to the level and and I don't know if that's supposed to be funny or entertaining or whatever obviously it's working well for them because uh they're selling books and and all this stuff and you probably tune in to them more than you would me but at the same point that's why I want to try and keep this positive because there is a lot of positivity out there and things are never as bad as they seem uh when it comes to to the money and investing and the stock market um if you look back over 80 years 100 years Stock market, the S and P 500, pretty much the best place to put your money. It's boring. You know, there's a whole industry. It's kind of like weight loss. There's a whole industry for weight loss out there. But if you really think about it, we all know what to do to have, you know, pretty stable weight. I mean, exercise, vegetables, fruits, get rid of the sugars you know it, it, it's not rocket science but it's very tough because a lot of people either don't want to do that or they want to take the shortcuts and be able to have their cake and eat it too literally and figuratively um but the same can be said for the investment world um you know it would be real boring and we wouldn't have this whole um industry if it was just everyone did the same thing and put their money in the S&P 500 and just let it go. And uh, like the John Bogles and the Warren Buffetts of the world, uh, who by the way, are probably two of the best and smartest people it comes to when uh, when you're talking about investing, uh, those are the people to listen to, not the, uh, the Dave Ramsey's and the CNBC's of the world and so on and so forth. Um, but I digress, uh, going back to, um, to that if, if we all just followed a simple path and just invested some money over time in the stock market chances are and left that money alone i mean that's the key left that money alone it would grow we'd get our seven eight percent average returns annually and and you know over the long term obviously because it can go down or go up in any market and we'd be all okay but that's not the case uh one of the the best sayings out there unfortunately over 25 years i i heard it way way too much but it's still a great line is it's it's time in the market not timing the market uh oh and I even hate to say it because it's I'm so tired of it but it's so true um you know trading doesn't really work you know you can look at technical analysis and fundamental analysis and this and that when it comes to the stock market whatever and listen to the um you know the consensus on these these people that make Millions of dollars a year being uh, research analysts for the big firms and the Morgan Stanley's and the, the the Goldman Sachs and whatever talking about what stocks to buy and what stocks to hold and what stocks to sell. Um, again, we we really don't need it just just, you know, the S&P 500 over the long term quality companies invested over the long term, you're going to be fine. Um, and but, but again, that, that's, that's talking about the investing side of things. Getting back to just the money side of it, it's the same thing. If you're watching CNBC every night, oh, of course, well, the one I forgot, I talk about CNBC, but the one I forgot is Jim Cramer. Uh, another one who is, it's, it's pure entertainment. He's, he's there for entertainment value. It's, it's uh, you know, you may pick up some nuggets of knowledge here and there, but it's pure entertainment. And he's making calls on stocks every night uh which I I still don't know how he can do uh without a ton of disclosure but again that's because it's entertainment purposes so uh you know getting your financial advice from Jim Kramer and Dave Ramsey and Susie Orman um you know 10 to 15 percent of it's really good how how they how they made a name for themselves was really good stuff nowadays it's a bunch of fluff and and hooey I think and so with that you have to have an idea of what's your outlook about money. And and I don't know how you get that. Uh, I was actually having an exchange the other day on somebody uh, on Twitter, and we were talking about one of the most valuable lessons about money. And we we both agreed the most valuable lesson about money is to somehow um, understand the idea of delayed gratification. It is the hardest thing because we all want, want, want. And the downside is when you start getting money, you know, if it's in your 20s or 30s, um, there's a lot of things you want. Uh, And if you're just starting out your life, you want a house, you want a car, you want a family, you want, um, you know, all the clothes and everything you see on social media and everything. And I know I'm really banging on social media, but I am, yes, I am for this episode. (laughs) Um, There's just so many things you want. And, uh, you know, I don't know where that delayed gratification comes from. My wife and I were both lucky enough to share that and so investing in our 401k as soon as we had a chance, increasing our 401k when we got raises, instead of going out and uh, you know, taking on a five or $600 or $800 now uh, car payment, you know it's just it's something I didn't want because doing that getting a seven or 800 or a car payment to me is more stress. I don't want more stress. I want my money to do some things for me that are going to afford me the chance down the road to um, you know buy a car with cash. And and maybe it's not a brand new car. Maybe it's a couple years old used car. But there's still plenty of super nice used cars. Trust me, we've been doing it for the last 15 years or so. Um, you know that th- that's the way to go. Uh, same thing with a house. You know, could have afforded a million dollar house probably at 26, 27 years old. Um, but no first house we bought was one hundred and fifty thousand dollars Second house we bought, I think was 270,000 and then and this house was like 575,000 so slowly methodically over time, um, you know, taking what we've earned building the equity in our house and then using it to buy a larger house if, if we needed it and it it as each point in our life has come, we've needed it. Again, it's, it's that delayed gratification, it can be a five year delayed gratification, it can be a 20 year delayed gratification, or in your case of retirement, you know, it's 35 40 years of working to get to that point. But you have to find a way and I don't mean and I, and I think this is the struggle between the wants the wants now and delayed gratification, there can be a happy medium we've bought plenty of things. Um, you know, and we used to joke in our in our earlies in our 25, 26 years and everything when we were, we were that age, uh, we would go out and fill up the entire car with stuff at Bed Bath and Beyond. Most of it was just a lot of crap. Um, you know, Bed Bath and Beyond and and World Market and Pier one, we just buy so much stuff for the house. It was crazy. Um, but that was just just what what happens when you're young. Uh, but at the same point, we never stopped contributing to our 401k and at the time we were also contributing a little bit a month to a brokerage account and just by doing that we knew that we were taking care of ourselves and as long as we weren't spending more than than we could afford to spend and not increasing our debt um you know that's that's the recipe for success if you can um live on less than you make not carry debt forward on a month-to-month basis especially credit cards reduce your monthly outgoing costs um you know paid off our car paid off our student loan early Um, you know house debt was always there but but it was a reasonable house debt uh, so if you can reduce those things, and I think that's something you have to watch for now, because that seems to be the MO of, of many companies that are trying to get you to work with them, whether it's, um, you know, cable and subscriptions to streaming services or whatever, or, or clothing companies or or whatever, or food delivery companies, it's everyone's wanting you to subscribe monthly to things. And the more and more you subscribe monthly, that is just a constant net expense that's coming out each month. And you've gotta stay away from that because eventually there's gonna be a creep in there and that's gonna creep, keep creeping up and you're probably not going to keep up with it when it comes to uh, how much money you're making. And, and there's gonna come a time that you realize, oh my goodness, we, we're spending more than we bring in just on fixed costs alone, let alone the variable costs of food and whatever and what have you going forward. So keeping those at a minimum, you know, keeping the expenses at, at minimums, still spending and still enjoying you know you can go out to dinner you can do some things uh you know try and avoid the coffees every day as, as you know Susie orman when she was in her good days uh that's one thing she harped on all the time but it's true and, and dave ramsey when he was in his, his good days talking about getting out of debt reducing debt you've got to be debt free to start i don't know if you need to be debt free to start doing other things but you've got to keep debt of the minimum. you've got to keep your expenses low You've got to be investing for your future, so you got to be doing all these things. That's you know spinning a lot of plates. But once you get used to it, and once everything's automated, you don't have to think about it, and it's there, and you can just start increasing it over the years. And you just got to trust in the market. I don't care what CNBC and uh, the internet and, and and Twitter or X or whatever people you follow say, the markets are going to be all right. Uh, we've survived a hundred years we're going to survive probably another 100 years. Um, you know, the Johnson and Johnson's and their stocks that they pay out, um, the, the, the the AT&T's, the, the the Verizon's, the utility companies, the Cloroxes of the world. I mean, there's all these boring companies out there that continue to pay dividends through thick and thin over the years that are going to be just fine. Now, I know right now there are some big companies that are in a little trouble. Um, I know I know Disney's been in a little trouble for, for a little while with their stock and the company as whole. Well. But over time, I still believe that they're going to be fine. Uh and now's probably an opportunity to be buying things like that, things that are really beat down. So Oracle came out with with numbers yesterday and, and they weren't good and the stock was down like twelve or thirteen percent. That's one day. Time in the market, not time in the market. So, you know, you got a thousand or two thousand dollars to put towards that, put put it towards Oracle and they down 12%. You know, that, that's on sale. That's a discount, man. And, you know, 20, 30 years down the road, you're going to be reaping the benefits from that going forward. So this episode's a little bit of rambling, but I, maybe it, it just gives you a little insight into my mindset and, and my psychology on money and investing that I, I think we're all trying to make it too hard. And of course, the and you know i know i know a lot of i have a a lot of great friends that are financial advisors and the financial industry has done a lot of great for a lot of people uh but i think also at the same time um they can make things seem harder than it is that that you know these are massive experts now if you've got a giant estate plan you've got some tax issues you're selling a business Um, you know, you get an inheritance, you don't know what to do with it. Yeah, financial advisor is fantastic. But if you're just kind of starting from scratch, getting things rolling, or you're in a good place now with money, and you need to know what to do next, you know, just just start putting some some money away in the market and and let it do its thing over time. And don't be scared off. You shouldn't even CNBC doesn't give you enough information for you to to really there's nothing there. Uh, I use it to get my quotes. That's the only thing it's it's CNBC is a giant ticker symbol or uh streaming ticker symbol for me that's that's all CNBC is um Dave Ramsey Susie Orman those folks I think of Dave Ramsey I think get out of debt that's the only thing I think about and It's the only thing I'm ever going to think about with him I don't care what he talks about now Susie Orman uh you know buying stop don't buy coffee at Starbucks every day that's you know makes sense to me and and good enough going forward but Outside of that, there, there's nothing more that they're going to tell me that uh, is going to change my my worldview on things. Now, Warren Buffett, he has some insights. Uh, Jeremy Siegel, uh, who I believe is at Harvard, professor at Harvard, fantastic, uh, very smart, just intelligent. Uh, there's no negativity. Now, they, these people may say, you know the Warren Buffetts of the world, Jeremy Siegel's even when Bogle was around John Bogle with, with, with uh, Vanguard before he passed away. Um, you know, you can say that now is not a good time for the market but you don't have to be negative about it i mean we have to all understand that the market economies all go through cycles and there are good cycles and bad cycles and usually the good cycles far outweigh the bad cycle um you know we will not have giant inflation forever interest rates are at these levels where we can't believe it but you go back to the 80s uh you know this still is nothing compared to what they were dealing with in the 80s when it comes to inflation we're just not used to it so seven and eight percent mortgages we're like oh my gosh this is crazy but uh you know two and three percent was fairytale world and hopefully you took advantage of it uh because now is not really the time to be buying a house or, or getting a mortgage or a second mortgage or having debt period, uh, because interest rates are extremely high unless you've got a fixed interest rate mortgage from uh, from the past few years hold on to that. And, uh, you know, hopefully you're not taking your two or 3% mortgage and going to buy a new house and and paying seven or 8% for a new mortgage. Um, So, I'm going to leave it at that um if you got questions comments feel free to reach out to rain over money uh reach out to me on twitter uh shoot me an email at kevin at rainovermoney.com this is the website for more resources information I'll put a couple links to, to folks I talked about, like Jeremy Siegel, uh, obviously Warren Buffett, probably one of the greatest investors of all time out there as well. If you do want to do some additional reading and, and there's a lot of books on behavioral finance and and the psychology of money. And, you know, if, if that's of interest to you, take a look and read it. We just we just hit the tip of the iceberg, but it, it, it's really all about deciding what you want money to do for you down the road. Uh, and as again, as I said, for me, it, it's time and flexibility. Those are the two most important things. Uh, trust me, I love not having to do someone something on someone else's time schedule, other than my kids and my wife. <laughs> and and I, and I can deal with that because I, I like them a lot. So, um, but but not having someone to uh, to tell me where I got to be when I got to be there, um, taking a meeting and doing a meeting, no thanks. Um, so, uh, again, I hope you enjoyed it. That's the end of episode 21, Psychology of Money and Investing. Again, my name is Kevin Hisson with Rain Over Money. Thanks so much for joining us. And you all have a, have a good day and we'll see you again soon.